0: All right, we were talking in our first segment a bit about the the immigration controversy, and here's a stat that kind of hit me between the eyes a while back. The number of illegal immigrants entering the U.S. has plunged from 850,000 a year to 300,000 a year because of the bleak job market and increased border security. That's according to a study by the Pew Hispanic Center. Remarkably, since 2009, the number of illegals living in the U.S. has declined from 12 million to 11 million. Of we should note at some point that Mexico has done, uh, done a good job in, in treating its population problems. The Economist noted some months ago that Mexico's birth rate was once among the world's highest. It's been in free fall since then. In the 1960s, Mexican mothers had nearly seven children each, compared to women in India, which then had fewer than six. The average now is just over two, almost the same as the U.S., the U.N. reckons that by the time we get to 2040, the birth rate in Mexico will be the lower of the two. That fall follows a government U-turn about 40 years ago when a contraception campaign replaced the previous nation-building policy. Today, four out of ten married Mexican women are sterilized. Magazine describes that as a radical measure that partly reflects the continuing lack of other contraception in some areas, as well as strict laws against abortion everywhere but the capital. Still, Mexico's total population won't peak until 2043, and then at 130 million. Should comment on a couple of offbeat quasi-science stories. Sacramento Bee had a page one article last month about a wolverine (laughs) winding its way around California's Sierra Nevada Mountains. Appears to be the only wolverine in the state. They think he came in from Idaho. And his progress is being closely monitored. He's been photographed numerous times by uh, remote cameras. Article noted that while other wolverines have reportedly been spotted over the years, this one's the first confirmed in California since 1922, when a trapper killed one. I'm kind of fascinated by the fact this wolverine has <laughs> got so many scientists fascinated. And we'll, you know, continue to track him with everybody else. I hope. I guess. I had to laugh at an article by Andrew Pollack in the New York Times, I think also from last month, noting that uh, that a couple of competing uh, groups of DNA sequencers have uh, sequenced the, uh, the complete DNA for the tree that produces cocoa beans. <laughs> the article in the New York Times noted this is expected to accelerate efforts to assure a stable supply of chocolate. What's funny about it is that uh, candy maker Mars announced that it... Uh, The project it financed had essentially completed the raw sequence of the genome of the cacao tree. In doing that, the announcement upstaged a consortium involving the French government, laboratories, and Penn State that's backed in part by a competitor of Mars, Hershey. This group says it has also completed the sequence but cannot discuss it until its paper analyzing the genome was published. Note of the article, The rivalry between the two big chocolate companies' projects in some ways mirrors what occurred in the race to sequence the human genome between Celera Genomics and the publicly financed Human Genome Project. That battle was officially declared a tie. You know, we haven't done any letters today, so let's do one I've been sitting on for a while. This was a letter not to us, but oddly enough, to Dear Abby. Said the writer, too good to be true in Washington State, Dear Abby, my dear friend Shelby's and been involved with a man for three years. Mr. Secret Agent is always on the go and can visit her only occasionally because of all of his international business travels. She told me he's from New Zealand and plans to return there when he retires. Something about him just didn't feel right. So I did some internet sleuthing and discovered that Shelby's successful businessman was born right here in the U.S. He has no passport and is using an assumed name. He works as a janitor. He's filed for bankruptcy twice and actually lives in a trailer. Shelby is overjoyed when he comes to visit her, but I'm getting tired of hearing his lies. I know she'll be hurt, but don't you think she deserves to know the truth? I'm concerned he may extort money from her. What should I do? Dear listener, this is why we do not conduct this sort of exchange with our correspondents. But luckily, we don't have to answer this question. Dear Abby did. What she said was, the first thing to do is to confess to your friend that you did some snooping and learned some troubling information about her gentleman friend. Then offer to share it with her so she can decide for herself if continuing a relationship with him is something she wants to do. She may or may not be interested, and she may or may not thank you for wising her up. Be prepared for her to be upset, but it's a risk you should take. And boy, when it comes to uh, the tools for internet sleuthing, it, it does get a bit scary. I was talking to a, an old pal who lives in Orange County, and during the conversation, I asked, well, where do you live in the Whittier area? And she was sort of explaining it, I went to Google Earth <laughs> and basically found the main street near her house, found her street, went to street level and started saying, oh, is yours the house with the green trim? She laughed and said, yes, it is, but was, of course, horrified at what we can now do with, uh, with Google Earth and our computers. And that topic of Internet security is one we most assuredly are going to get to. You know, we, we do get to these topics we talk about getting to. You know that. You just have to find the right guest. Of course, much, much good can come of this. An article in the Wall Street Journal a few months back noted that you shouldn't be fooled by a bunch of fancy initials after a financial advisor's name article by Jason Swig and Mary Pilon in the journal, noted that while some credentials such as certified public accountant, chartered financial analyst, and certified financial planner require years of study and rigorous tests, others are dubious designations that can be earned over a couple of days or by writing a check. Since 2005, the number of designations tracked by the Financial Industry Regulations Authority, and isn't it nice to know that there actually is such a thing as the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, has nearly doubled to 95. To keep from getting burned by the alphabet soup, you should verify qualifications and check complaints at finra.org or with state insurance and securities regulators. Then ask plenty of questions about who grants each designation and what's required to earn and keep the title. Good advice. Now, courtesy of our, of our pal Gary Chu, I did get a chance to see a preview for a movie. The movie is Paul. I believe it opens tomorrow. It's not Citizen Kane, but uh, I liked it and Gary liked it. We're going to have to bring him on next week's show to, uh, to talk about it. I'm sure quite a few of you are going to want to see it. All right, we didn't get any viewer mail. We didn't get any listener mail this week that, uh, that we could quote. And please, keep those letters coming to info at but We did get a phone call from Donald, who asked me if the name Owsley rang a bell. I said, LSD? He said, right. Apparently on Sunday, Owsley Bear Stanley, a 1960s counterculture icon and worked with the Grateful Dead, was killed in a car crash in Australia at age 79. We do owe bits in this program because we think some lives are worthy of talking about, and this is one of them. Owsley was an accomplished sound engineer who worked uh, for the Grateful Dead and inspired the band's Dancing Bear logo, no less. But he will be known to uh, posterity best as the man that produced an estimated pound. (laughs) Half a kilogram, that is, of pure LSD, which is about five million trips of normal potency. He's talked about in Tom Wolfe's Immortal, the electric Kool-Aid acid test. Interesting guy, the son of a U.S. government attorney and his namesake grandfather, Augustus Owsley Stanley, was a Kentucky governor and U.S. senator. He was a key figure in the counterculture when Sandoz stopped making LSD, Owsley stepped in and by all accounts produced uh, the finest versions of that drug uh, that were available decades ago. His uh, skill with the chemistry set did finally catch up with him. When uh, he was busted in the 60s, (laughs) he tried to claim that his 350,000 doses of LSD in his possession were for personal use. Another thing noteworthy about Owsley was he was a rabid anti-vegetarian. It's curious to note that a makeshift laboratory that he'd operated earlier was raided. Police were looking for methamphetamine but only found LSD, which at that time in February of 1965 was not illegal. He beat the charges leveled against him and successfully sued for the return of his equipment. Apparently, Owsley Stanley believed that the natural human diet is totally carnivorous. And then all vegetables are toxic. He claimed to have eaten almost nothing but meat, eggs, butter, and cheese since 1959. He believed his body had not aged as much as the bodies of those who eat a more normal diet. Owsley apparently moved to Australia a couple of decades ago because he was convinced the Northern Hemisphere was due for another ice age. His correspondent has to... Wonder about how much of his outside-the-box thinking came about while in a uh, neurotransmitter-altered four-wheel skid. Anyway, by all accounts, a brilliant individual. Did he make the world a better place with all those LSD doses? Uh, I don't know. Jury has got to be considered out on that one. But at any rate, that does it for today's program. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'd like to thank our pals Will Durst and Russ Baker. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time. And, of course, you know what bumper music we have to go out with for today's show. Picture yourself in a boat on a river With tangerine trees and marmalade skies There's the end with this classic bit of music, KDVS's musical programming resumes with Chloe and Zoe. It's the public broadcasting you like, the musical broadcasting you like. Keep that in mind because our Pledge Drive is coming up next month.